Oh, Father, we bless you tonight. We give you praise and glory and honor. We thank you for your goodness and we thank you for your love. We thank you, Father, that the greater one lives within us. That no weapon that's been formed against us shall prosper. For the greater one lives within us. And so we worship you tonight. We praise you tonight. We give you thanksgiving tonight for all the good things that you've done in our lives. And so, Father, we want you to have your way tonight. That everything that's said and done will bring you glory and honor. We do thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Father, that in all things, we can put our trust and we can put our confidence in you. Hallelujah. We bless you tonight. We worship you tonight. We give you glory tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Blessed be the name above every name, the name of Jesus. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be your name. Have your way tonight, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, hallelujah. Isn't he wonderful? Um, <clears throat> there's a list in the back if you haven't gotten signed up yet for the uh, um, Easter breakfast coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, uh, be sure and sign up for that if, you don't, if you're going to be there. And then uh, there's, there's still some sheets back there. I, I don't know if everybody in here has done it yet, but uh, updating our um, information. If you haven't filled out one of those sheets, just encourage you to take one and fill it out. Um, it's helpful for us and uh, to get stuff right. You know, it's funny, people like their names up there for birthdays and anniversaries. I could care less, but people like that. And so it's, it's hard to do if we don't have the information. And so uh, if you haven't done that, make sure you get that to us. Well, praise the Lord. We're continuing our series on the Believer's Authority. And tonight we're talking about honoring God. And, uh, you know, the number one way that we honor God is by living a life of obedience towards Him. That's what truly honors Him. And... Um, and as you see in your notes, we, we, it talks about how when we, we cooperate, I think last week or the week before, we talked about how we need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, with God. And uh, we do that by following his leading and his direction. And, and we know that God wants to do good in our lives. Amen? But we have to cooperate with him. Um, he doesn't... Uh, take us over, doesn't control us. You know, it's like I said Monday night at the prison, I says, you know, a lot of people think that <clears throat> I'm trying to shove the Bible down their throat. I wish I could. Because if, if, if that could be done, I would have uh, Ryan and Terry come up here and, and I'd have them hold each of you down. And I'd take the Word of God and I'd shove it down your throat. But it doesn't work that way. We have to receive it. We cooperate with Him. And it's, it's in that cooperation with Him that we allow the power of the Holy Spirit to flow in our lives. And you know, the thing about the Holy Spirit, you know, I, I think oftentimes we, we limit Him. Uh, we, we look at those those nine gifts of the Spirit, and we attribute that to the flow of the Holy Spirit. But you know, He wants to flow in our life. He wants to operate in our lives every moment of every day. And we can either allow Him to do so, or we don't allow Him to do so. And the way that we allow Him to do so is by receiving the Word, accepting the Word, and, and walking in that Word. But see, and so it's that it's that obedience to the Word. And I'm not talking about 
obedience to the word in a legalistic sense. I'm talking about obedience to the word from the standpoint that we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us to guide us and direct us. And as we allow him to lead us, we follow him, we're, we're going to live a life we're going to live a life of obedience. And what that does then is it, it, it opens the way, it opens the door uh, for God's blessings in our life. You know, <clears throat> when we, a life of disobedience, what happens is we, we, begin to, we begin to close those doors. We don't allow him uh, to flow in our lives. And so it's, it's just important that we recognize those things. And the thing about it is, is oftentimes it isn't, it isn't visible immediately. It's as we, as we practice those laws, those principles that, is, that he's given us. As we're, we're constant with those principles, uh, we, we, see the, we see the blessing along the way. We see what God is able to do in our lives. And so, um, but, but disobedience then, it, it closes those doors. It doesn't allow him uh, to flow in our lives like he wants to. You know, the thing about faith, having a little bit of hard time here because I started working on my message for Sunday today. And, and so, you know, you, my, my thoughts are, you know, intermingled with tonight and and was coming up on Sunday, but on Sunday I'm going to be doing some talking about faith and so forth. And you know, and the and the thing about faith is that it's that it's being consistent for the long haul. You know, they they say about investment when you, Terry says about investment. You know, this is a counsel that I've taken from him over the years that when you invest. Um, <clears throat> You leave it in there because you, you allow it to continue to work. And, you know, every time the, you know, the market or whatever takes a little bit of a dip, if you pull your money out, um, you're, you're, never going to, you're never going to end up on the, um, on, the, on the high side because you're, you're not allowing it to work for you. Well, that's how faith is. Faith is the long haul. We put our faith out there and we allow our faith to work. <clears throat> I don't know by the look on Terry's faith, face if I'm right or not. I, I think I'm right, aren't I? <clears throat> okay, well, it, it better be right because I've left it there a long time. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> but see, it's, it, it's, it's, it's when we allow our faith to continue to work, even not by what we see, but by what we know. You know, it's, it's like an investment. It's going to bring about a return. It may not be immediate. We may not see immediate results, but we will see those results. And so where disobedience will stop the flow of God, our obedience to him and to his word, it allows his abundance to flow in our lives. And, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, but I want to turn over there again. And let's look at the, the woman with the issue of blood. And it's in Mark, the fifth chapter, and uh, we're going to go down to the 25th verse. Mark, the fifth chapter in the 25th verse, and it says, And a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years, and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had, and was not better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, now this is kind of one of the keys to this whole scenario is when she heard about Jesus. So the thing that we see is that we, we, have, to, we have to hear something. We'll be looking in a moment at Romans 10, 17 where it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. But we, we have to hear something and when she when she heard about Jesus, you know, <clears throat> faith demands a response. If we're truly operating in faith, there, there's always going to be a response. You know, <clears throat> I grew up in church. You all know, you've heard my story. I grew up in church. 
was there every Sunday, you know, because mom played the organ even back then. I was there every Sunday, sitting in the front row. You know, and even after we were married, you know, we, we continued to go to church every Sunday because, because that's what we did. And so we were, we were there every, just about every Sunday. And, uh, you know, the message was being preached, but, but didn't hear it. But then that Saturday morning in the basement of Vern Lewis's house, I heard. I heard that message. And when I heard it, when I, they began to share the scriptures with me, and the conviction was in my heart that I truly was not saved. You know, I never did have the assurance. I remember um, being out on Lake Malak fishing in the middle of the night and could barely see the shores and, and the fear that would come against me because I knew that if that boat tipped over, you know, I was, I was dead meat, you know, because I was too macho to wear a life jacket. You know, only wimps wore life jackets, so they were someplace in the boat, but I don't have any idea where. But, but I knew that if that boat tipped over, uh, I was too far from shore, I would never get there. And, you know, and so you start to think about your mortality and, I, I, and, and immortality. And I, I knew I went to church, but I had absolutely no confidence that I was truly saved. I remember being in a construction accident when we were working in New Ulm, Minnesota. And this is before Christ. And, and uh, this drill that was known as a whole hog got a hold of me. It was a hog, let me tell you. And so I've got 52 stitches you know, in my arm to show for it. And I'm laying there. And all I could see was that drill going back and forth in front of my face all night long. And, and I had no, no assurance, no confidence that I was going to go to heaven. You know, it's really sad that when you've spent, at that time, it would have been probably about 22 years of my life going to church practically every Sunday, but having absolutely no confidence that I was saved. Now, I, told, I was told I was saved. I was told I was saved because I was baptized as an infant and I'd, been, I'd gone through confirmation and I was a member of the church. So I was, I was told that I was saved and so I would confess it, but I had absolutely no confidence in it. But that morning in Vern Lewis's house, when, when I heard the word of God being preached to me under the conviction of the Holy Spirit because it was anointed, and it was anointed through lay people. It wasn't anointed through a preacher. And I heard that word, and there was conviction that came into my heart. And um, they didn't have to talk me into praying the prayer, confessing my sin. There was something on the inside of me that I couldn't wait to do it because I knew that I needed a Savior and that Jesus was the answer. And so that morning I prayed and I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. My life has never been the same. But you see, even though I had heard about Jesus, at that moment I was like this woman when she heard about Jesus. I heard about Jesus. I heard that he had died for my sins, that he was resurrected from the dead for my justification. I heard that you know, that if I would confess him with my mouth, that he would be my savior and that he would be my Lord, my sins would be completely obliterated, washed away. And so I did that. I prayed that. And it wasn't like I had goosebumps or anything, but I had a knowing. I knew that I was born again. You know, and it's an interesting thing. You know, since that moment in time, especially that year or so after that, the attack that came against me that, that would try to convince me that I, nothing really happened that morning. There wasn't anything that really happened. And those doubts and those fears would try to come against me. But I was always able to say, but I prayed that prayer. And I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior that day. And you know, that's why I tell people, people will come and they'll say, well, you know, pastor, I think I'm saved. Well, it's not enough to think you're saved. Because I thought I was saved, but I had absolutely no confidence and insurance in it. And so I just always tell people, well, let's make sure. It's easy to make sure. Let's pray that prayer. This is what the scripture says. Let's pray and let's be sure. 
We need to be sure. And I trust that we're sure. But we need to know it so that we can be the assurance to somebody else. And so here's this woman. She had done everything that she knew to do. We have to get to the end of ourselves. If we're really going to trust in God, if we're going to put faith in Him, we've got to get beyond ourselves. We've got to put, get to that point where we, we can no longer have confidence in ourselves. And so it says, then she heard about Jesus. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind Him in the crowd and touched his garment. And so, again, faith, faith always demands an action. Because she heard something and because she believed it, there was an action that went along with it. If we believe something about, you know, do we really believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Do we really believe that? Well, if we really believe that, then we're not going to compromise on that. We see the importance for others to hear that same truth. But you know, the, <clears throat> the lie that's come in is that there's, there's many ways to heaven. And you know, it's, it's even come into the church because I know there's, uh, of churches, even in our locale, that have basically preached from the pulpit that there's many ways to God. You know, because after all, we're all seeking the same thing. No, we're not. You know, <clears throat> there's only one way, and it's Jesus. And so if we believe that, then that requires on our part that there be actions accordingly. In other words, we want to tell people that truth. And so she heard about Jesus, and she came up behind. Why? Because it says in the 28th verse, for she said, she said this within herself, if I only, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. She was convinced, if I can, I don't, I don't even have to get his attention. <laughs> if I can just get to him, and if the closest I can get is just touch his garment, I'm going to be made well. That's what she believed because of what she had heard about Jesus. And so you know what she did? She did it. You know, and so we see that words are very important because words give us direction. But it shows that she was determined. She was determined to carry out what she believed. And that's where we, where we need to be in our faith, in our relationship with God. And in doing so, what we ultimately do is we, we honor God. Most of you have probably heard this story. Most of you have heard all of my stories. So <clears throat> I guess you've got to hear them more than once or twice or ten times. But you know, when I was at COC down south of St. Louis, Kenneth Copeland was going to be in in St. Louis, and so uh, we went to the auditorium and we, a couple nights we were able to see him there live. And the one night, it, it, was, it, was, in an, it was in an auditorium, and so the seats were right up to the, to the stage. You know, so there wasn't any room between the front row of seats and the, and the platform, the seats came right up there. And, uh, and so he had preached his message, and, and then he was, he was gonna have a prayer line. Well, there wasn't any place to, for people to come, so what he did was he had them all go to the uh, left side of the auditorium and go down the, the side aisle, and they'd go up the steps, and they'd walk across uh, the stage, because it was, uh, like I said, an auditorium. They'd come across the stage. He'd pray for them, and as he prayed for them, they'd just keep right on going. They'd go down the, the other side of the platform and go down the side aisle and go back to wherever their seats were. But he didn't have them come up and lined up. He just had them walking across and saying the name of Jesus and the name of Jesus and the name of Jesus. It was just, I mean, it lined up all the way out into the, into the entryway and so forth. And so he's, he's doing that. And, and just, 
you know, as fast as people could go by his, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And they just keep right on going. And everybody just kept walking right on by. See, you don't have to fall under the power to get healed. And so they just kept right on going. And all of a sudden, this one lady came and he stopped. He just stood there and he looked at her. And he, and he hadn't spoken to anybody else prior to this woman. And he looks at this woman and he says, uh, what are you here for? And she just stood there for a minute and finally she began to cry and she said, I'm here to get my healing. And he just says, honey, that's, that's no problem. That's, that's good. That's wonderful. Jesus is here, here to heal you or something like that. And so he laid his hands on her. Now I couldn't see it because I was in the balcony but we had friends that were on the main level. And they said when he began to play, pray for her, they could see light. It was like both she and Copeland levitated upright, but they went up in the, in the air. Now, that's not important that you believe that. I happen to do because I believe the people that shared this. And so he, he prayed for her. And after he prayed for her, she started walking along. And all of a sudden, she got probably three-quarters of the way across the platform, and she stopped. And she went down on the floor. Everybody kind of thought maybe she went out under the power or whatever. But the next thing you know is she's, she's pulling braces off of her. She had braces from her ankle all the way up to her neck. And she had on a loose sweater, and so she was taking the braces off of her back and, and everything and just throwing them out on the floor, and everybody, whoa, you know, that's, that's not normal. You know, and so she's throwing these things off, and the next thing you know, she's, she's literally crawling over to get a hold of the curtain to help her up. And a couple of the ushers started, and by this time, the crowd's going nuts and gets Copeland's attention, and he says, yeah, don't touch her. She goes over, and she crawls up, Gets, gets to her feet and she starts walking. And so Copeland walks over and gives her an arm and walks her back and forth across the platform a couple of times and says, be blessed. And she walks down the stage and leaves. Well, that's, that's the end of that. Well, we're, we're watching um, Copeland on TV. And uh, um, he says, now, this coming Sunday... You don't want to miss our program because we're going to be, be live from Anaheim, California. And there's a lady that was healed in, in St. Louis that we're going to have there to give her testimony. Well, <clears throat> Copeland started before our church service uh, started. But we wanted to see this. And our church services down there always started 15 to 20 minutes late, so we knew we weren't going to have a problem. We'd be able to watch it and still get to church in time, so we, we stayed home. And, and so he shows this whole video of what's taking place. And then he says, I want to introduce you to somebody. And so he had this lady come up out of the, out of the, out of the audience, and she's wearing a nice dress, and she's wearing high heels and everything else, and she comes up and and so Copeland's talking to her, and he says, so uh, tell me a little bit about your situation. She says, well, you know, two years prior to this, I was in a car wreck and uh, just totally messed up my back and everything, and they told me I'd, you know, never be able to function without the braces and so forth. She says I was in constant pain uh, because of it and so forth. And... Uh, you know, and, and our community always, you know, talked about how wonderful I was because how I endured uh, the suffering that I was going through and so forth. And, and, and so he says, so why do you think that I stopped and asked you that question? And she says, well, I was, she's from Illinois. She says, the only reason I was there was because people bugged me and they were taking a bus to the convention and they, they kept asking me to go and so finally I agreed to go just so that they would quit bugging me and so then you started the prayer line and I was just sitting there and 
They said, aren't you going up? And I wasn't going to go up, but so they'd quit bugging me. I got up and I got into the prayer line. And so she said it had nothing to do with faith. I was just in the prayer line because everybody told me that's what I needed to do. And so when you stopped me and you confronted me, it made me think about what, why I was there and what I wanted. And so she said what I said came out of my heart. And so you prayed for me, and uh, I've, I'm completely healed. And so we're talking about honor tonight. And so she, so Copeland says, so you said, people said how wonderful you are the way that you continued to serve God after your accident and so forth and all these things. So in your opinion... Did God get more glory then or did God get more glory out of your healing? And she says, oh, God got glory out of my healing. And so then he asks her a very interesting question. He's, he asks her and he says, what's the, I forget the exact term he used, what's the most important thing that you've been able to do now since you're healed? And she said, I'm able to play catch with my children again. In other words, I'm able to be the mother that I was always intended to be. And that's how God receives honor. That's what I want us to see is that that's, that's a biggie. But you know what? When we just serve God, when we do those things that we're, we're called to do, you know, I, I believe in this world that we live in, um, the, I don't know what, the, I, I call it a spirit of excellence. I believe the spirit of excellence in many circles has been gone, been lost, even, even within the church. And you see, why does God want a spirit of excellence? Because it's through that that he's truly glorified. It's through that that he's honored. When we're the best mom, the best dad, the best employer, the best employee that we can possibly be, we do our our jobs to the best of our ability. We do whatever we do with a spirit of excellence about it. I believe in the midst of that, God, that's how God is truly glorified. And we, we honor him. Well, <clears throat> this woman, she's healed. Why? Because she believed what she heard about Jesus. We need to believe what we hear concerning Jesus. Doesn't matter what it is. You know, I, I share some of this stuff about me because I'm the only one, me, me, I'm the only, that's the only thing I'm an expert on me. I know how I've screwed up, how I've messed up. I know, I know me. Sometimes I wish I didn't, but I know me. You know, so I understand when people don't want to associate with me. I understand because I know me. You know, so, uh, so it's easy to understand. But, <clears throat> you know, when I got saved, um, I had just stopped working for a plumber in Minnesota, the Clauses. And uh, um, in the latter part of my working with him, I, I didn't feel like I was really applying myself because I knew they were going to lay me off. I knew they were going to get rid of me. And so, you know, I, I wasn't really putting a lot of effort into it. And so then I come down here and I work, you know, for Shriver. And while I'm working for Shriver, I get saved. And I work at the hospital a few years. And I go to Ankeny and I'm working in Ankeny. And then I go to Missouri. And while I'm going to school, I'm working for John's Plumbing down in Missouri. And, but my attitude was different that, you know, if, if I'm going to plumb, whatever it is that I'm going to do, I'm going to do it as unto the Lord. He, he's my ultimate boss. You know, this guy that signs the checks, uh, I, I might work for him, but he's not the boss. Jesus is ultimately the boss. And so I remember John taking me aside one time and he says, because it seemed like I got, you know, you'd, you'd think when you work hard for somebody, you wouldn't get all the I better not say that because it was plumbing. I was going to say crap jobs, but I thought, you know, that probably isn't an appropriate thing. All the rotten jobs. And, 
And one day he, he took me aside and he says, you know, he says, I want, Dave, I want you to know something. He says, I don't give you the lousy things because I don't like you and so forth. I give it to you because I know you're going to get it done. You know, and I didn't necessarily like the lousy jobs, but I liked what it produced in his thinking. And so that's how it works with us. We need to recognize what God is doing and what, what he wants to do through us, and we do it to the best of our ability. And so how do we get there? Well, let's look at Romans, the 10th chapter. You know, we always look at Romans, the 10th chapter, and we, we identify it with salvation, which we ought to. But you know what? The same principle concerning salvation applies in every area of your life. Listen to what it says. Romans, the 10th chapter and the 14th verse is where I'm going to start. And it says, How then shall they call in whom, him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And so to take this and apply it to salvation, witnessing to somebody is, is appropriate. You know, I, uh, you know, we, we support um, John Smithwick uh, and, and their ministry with them evangelizing all over the world. And I had the opportunity to talk with them on the phone for about an hour today. That's why I wasn't available when you called the first time. I was talking with him. You know, but <clears throat> we help them go. Why do we help them go? So that they can preach. And why do we want them to preach? We want them to preach because people can't believe unless they hear. And so we send them to preach so that others can hear, so that they can come and receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But there's no other way for that to take place than by hearing the Word of God. And so, now this is what I want you to see. This, this woman with the issue of blood, what happened? She heard. We don't know who she heard from or how she heard. All that we know is that she heard. And in her hearing, she heard that Jesus would heal her. Not just simply that Jesus could heal her, that Jesus would heal her. Because she didn't leave it up for discussion. She said within herself, if I but touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. She believed that word that was given. Well, you know, <clears throat> that word applies in every area of our life. You know, you, you've heard me talk about my inferiority and my insecurity. And what overcame that was an understanding and revelation that I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That was what took me over the edge so that I got to the place where I believed that I could do what God had called me to do. Because until I got to that point, I was convinced that even though I might have a call in my life, I'm not going to be able to do it because I'm too fearful to get in front of people. There is absolutely no way I can share in front of people. But the scripture convinced me that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so <clears throat> the scripture says that each and every one of us that available to us is that spirit of excellence so that whatever our job, whatever our vocation, whatever it is that we need to do, we can do it with a spirit of, of excellence behind it that we can go beyond what we can think, dream, or imagine because we can do all things through Christ as he strengthens us. But you know, to get that place... <clears throat> It's, it's so much more than positive thinking. People try to accuse, if, if, you, have, if, if you adapt to the, the, the confession message, 
They, they attribute it to positive thinking. No, it's not. It's, it's not just thinking positive. It's knowing something. It's knowing what Christ can and will do through our lives. But that comes through the Word of God. There is no other avenue by which we can get changed but through the Word of God. And so, you know, for crying out loud, i got to stop talking so much and touch my notes once in a while. You know, but... <clears throat> But that's why the word is so important. It isn't just to get us, get us initially saved. It's the beginning. And that word, that same word that brought salvation in our life is the same word that's going to bring healing in our life. It's the same word that's going to bring prosperity to our life. It's the same word that's going to bring deliverance to our life. It's the same word that's going to bring restoration relationships. It's the same word that's going to change everything in our life. That word changes us. It changes the way we think about ourselves, the way we see ourselves. And, 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 and in doing that, it changes how we see our capacity to be able to have influence and bring change in the world that we live in. And so the only way that we increase in faith is we increase in the knowledge of God. We increase in knowledge of what he's done for us. And that's why, again, <clears throat> that's why it's so important that we have this book, not just periodically. This isn't a periodical. It's a everydayable. We need it daily. We need it constant because we need to... <clears throat> I don't know about you. I don't want to be tomorrow where I am today in the things of God. And so if I'm not where I am today, tomorrow, that means something has to change. And God doesn't change. God's same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, so... Studying the Word is important. Prayer is important. All of those things are important. Why? Because all of those things change me. And when I change, I have more capacity for the things of God. I allow the Spirit of God to move in my life. You know, <clears throat> faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Amen? And so, whatever it is, it comes to us by hearing. <clears throat> You'll love this one. Unbelief comes by hearing. Unbelief comes by hearing. Not hearing the word of God, but hearing the word of man. You know, and so what are we, what are we hearing? Are we hearing the word of God or are we hearing the word of man? Whatever dominates is what's going to dominate our thought life. And whatever dominates our thought lives is going to determine which direction we go. And so she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. She spoke her faith. And then she acted upon it. You know, uh, and you've heard me say this before. You know, I, I believe we need a resurgence of the confession message. You know, because what we say is important. You know, <clears throat> uh, in, in the early days when I got a hold of the Word of Faith message, it, it was all about what we, what we said. What, our confession was so important. We had, <clears throat> we had confessions everywhere. I mean, we had them on the mirror. We had them on the dashboard. You know, back then we didn't have a, a phone to raid. You know, because we didn't have texting and all that. We just had stuff all over the dashboard. And, uh, you know, but we, we had our confessions. And we would say, and, and, and confession isn't just making a positive statement. Confession is confessing what the Word says about me. Now, we don't have to have it 
line upon line, precept upon precept, but we've got to have the context of it. You know, <clears throat> I believe it was Brother Hagen, I, I think, who I heard Sharon, or maybe it was Brother Copeland, one of them talking about, you know, when sickness would come against them, it's, it's not just making a positive statement. You know, a positive statement would be, I'm not sick, I'm not sick, I'm not sick, I'm not sick, when you're sicker than a dog. But you're just making a positive statement. That doesn't change anything. The positive confession is, by the stripes of Jesus, I've been healed. No matter what I feel, no matter what I see, I've been healed by the stripes of Jesus. No weapon formed against me shall prosper, for the greater one lives. So we're, we're confessing what the Word of God says about us. And that's what we need to do in, in every area of our life. We confess what the Word says. And so we need to, where we've been saying the negative, I just can't do that, I just can't accomplish that, I'm just not skilled in that area. We need to change that and begin to declare what the Word of God says about us. Um, in John 5, it says, How can you believe? Who receive honor from one another and do not seek honor that comes from the only God and do not seek honor that comes from God. You know, <clears throat> this is where we get into trouble. We're, we're, more, we're more worried about what man thinks and feels rather than what God thinks or feels. We're, we're more interested in being honored by man than we are to be honored by God. And how does God honor us? He honors us by bringing blessing into our life. This woman with the issue of blood, you can't convince me that she had to make a choice. You know, because man said she can't go out in public. I've got it there in your notes. It's in Leviticus 15. I often make reference to the fact that she was not supposed to go out into public according to the Levitical law. Well, <clears throat> here's the Levitical law. Not going to read the whole thing, but in verse 19 it says, if a woman has a discharge and the discharge from her body is blood, she shall be set apart seven days and whoever touches her shall be unclean until evening. And then it goes on to talk about how she can't be in, in public and, and so on and so forth. She wasn't supposed to be out there. And so she had to make a decision. Am I going to be more concerned about what man has to say about it? Or am I going to be more concerned about obeying the Word of God and allowing Him to be honored in my life? And so she chose God rather than man. And you know what? We have to do that on a, on a regular basis. We have to choose that we're going to honor God. And, and in doing so, we're probably going to upset some men. We're going to upset some people. But you know what? I've, I've found something very interesting out there. A lot of times, those that are the most vocal against us, if push came to shove, they're really cheering for us. Because they're looking for somebody to be successful in life because they're not. Because I think oftentimes the root of what they're dealing with is jealousy. In Proverbs 29, 25, it says, the fear of man brings a snare. Anybody ever encounter that snare? Man, I tell you, I have had to wrestle with that snare my entire life. The fear of man. The fear of what somebody's going to think or what somebody's going to say. Fear that I'm not going to be accepted. You know, as a teenager, it took me places where I wanted, didn't want to go because fear of not being accepted. But you know what? As an adult, the same thing happens. The same thing happens. It, it gets us in places where, where, where we don't want to go. Every, every Monday night, I, I visit a room full of men who are basically there, and the root of it was the fear of man. They're afraid they weren't going to be accepted, so they, they tried it, they tested it, they went someplace where they really knew that they weren't supposed to be. But you know what? Every one of us, we've, 
We've done the same thing. Thank God, not to the degree that they have. But every one of us, we've allowed that fear of man to be a snare to us. And it'll hold us back. It'll keep us from fulfilling and accomplishing the plan and the purpose of God in our life. For the, the fear of man brings a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. You know, we're, we're, we're so afraid of what's going to happen to us. But then when we finally get to the place where we trust him, we think, why did I hesitate? Why did I put this off so long? Why did I allow that snare to hold me back? And the enemy's got all kinds of snares out there that are trying to keep us back, trying to convince us we're not going to be accepted, we're not going to be loved, we're going to be looked down upon, people are going to talk about us. Well, it's too late. You came in these doors. Everybody's already talking about you. So just, just forget about it. Don't worry about it no more. Because you've been found out. You're one of us. <laughs> you know, for years and years, I've been tempted to put a, a weekly article in the paper. And I wanted to entitle it, That Church. You know, because we've always been that church. You go to that church? No, I pastor that church. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. But see, that's, that's, the, that's the boldness that we need to get in the things of God. Romans 3, 4. God be true and every man a liar. You know, all the fear that I dealt with over the years. The fear of man, the fear of rejection, the fear of this, that, or the other thing. All of it was a lie. Oh yeah, there, there's, been, there's been people that have rejected me because of my faith. But you know what? Compared to the acceptance, it's minuscule, it's minor, it's small. You know, I've, uh, you know, kind of been the black sheep in our family because, you know, I say when I got saved, I committed the two unpardonable sins. You know, I, I left um, the Democratic Party and I left the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. You know, and so we've always been kind of the the outsiders, but, it, but it's an interesting thing. You know, like when, when mom and dad, dad was alive and mom still living, but when they'd have issues and they needed somebody to come and stay with them in the hospital, it was me. Because they knew there was something there. And that's what you've got to understand. You know, it's, 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 it's interesting. Um, you know, I've often said as a pastor, a lot of times I feel like a junkie. You know, because the only time people come to you is when they need a fix. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, thanks for smiling. You appreciate my humor. You know, <clears throat> but the other, the other side of it is there's a lot of people that come to me because they know that I have an answer. I don't really have an answer, but I have the answer. I may not be able to answer their question, but I have the answer, and the answer is Jesus. You have sickness in the body? I got the answer. It's Jesus. You're going broke? You don't know what you're going to do tomorrow? I have the answer. The answer is Jesus. You've seen the billboard. Jesus is the answer. What's the question? And I have the answer. You know, I, I remember for years, my insecurities. I'd go to the ministerial meetings and I'd feel so intimidated because they were all educated. You know, I went to a Bible training school. You know, they had more letters behind their names than I had in my name. 
Until one day I looked at him and I realized, but I've got something you don't have. I have a personal relationship with Jesus. And because I have a personal relationship with him, nothing's impossible. All things are possible. Now see, I believe that. I believe all things are possible. I believe I can do all things that God has asked me to do. Now, because I can do all things doesn't mean I can do all things. You don't want me to take out your appendix. I don't even know where to look for that sucker. You know, I know it's in your gut someplace, but we might take a whole lot of stuff out before we get to it. You know, so you don't, you don't want me to do that. So when, when the Bible says I can do all things, I, I guess if he told me to, I could. I'm just believing he ain't going to do that, you know. And I bet you're believing I ain't going to do that too, you know. But you understand what I'm saying? I can do all things doesn't mean I can just go out there and do whatever I want. I can do all things that he's asked me to do. Now, some of that is in my vein, but there's other things such as lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's in all things all believers can do. We can cast out devils. That's in all things that all believers can do. You know, he'll supply all of our needs when we practice the principles that he's given us in his word. One of the all things that we can have is increase so that we can have more to give to further the kingdom of God. I can preach the gospel because that's one of the all things that I've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to do, and so have you. And so there are those all things that we've been called to do. And you know what? When we do all those all things, we bring him honor. We bring him glory. And that's all he asks us to do. Isn't that wonderful? He doesn't ask us to do anything that he hasn't equipped us and empowered us to do. And we just simply do what he's asked us to do and we bring him honor and glory and when we get to heaven, we get rewards. Why? Because we did what he asked us to do. Nothing more, nothing less. Well, hallelujah. I had fun tonight. Hope you did too. Be blessed. Have a wonderful night. Father, we thank you for your word. We seal it by your Holy Spirit that we might walk in the fullness of it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We declare it in Jesus' name. Amen. Be blessed. <laughs>